Most people know that Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication with law enforcement, as well as create educational opportunities so we can be better, more informed citizens. For the last several months, all the news stations have been promoting a negative mindset towards the entire law enforcement community. I agree that some of the recent events are beyond egregious. However, those events do not represent the vast majority of the brave men and women who risk their lives daily to keep the rest of us safe. I'm asking you to please, next time you see a member of law enforcement, show some appreciation and thank them for their service. Now, let's start the show. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. I want to, again, remind people I don't work for Rocket Mortgage. I don't endorse that company. I don't represent them. And any other ads that they put on just before our show starts. I also want to tell people we've finally put it together. I've been telling you for a couple of weeks now that we are going to be doing an event on the 2nd of April. It's called The Front Lines of Sex Trafficking. It'll be held at the Burger Theater, which is 1200 West Speedway. And we're going to have tickets available on our website, lawmatters1030.org. The tickets are free. Donations are appreciated. But if you haven't been to one of these presentations, you need to go because you don't know what you don't know until you get there. And it's going to be awesome. Masks are required on campus until you're seated. And no food is allowed in the theater. I have to say that because I'm the one that has to clean up if you bring food in the theater. So, okay. In the studio, we have Jesus from Border Patrol. Yes, good morning. Uh, my name is Jesus Basavelvaso. I'm a Border Patrol agent. Uh, I've been a Border Patrol agent for 13 years in Tucson sector. And I'm a public information officer. Okay. Have you always been in Tucson? Yes, I've always been stationed in Tucson for 13 years, but I'm originally from Nogales, and as a matter of fact, I mean, I was born in Nogales, Arizona, but I was raised in Nogales, Mexico. My dad was a Mexican customs officer. Oh, very cool. So it's in the family. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. So you know the area really well. Yes, absolutely. Like I say, growing up on both sides of the border, you know, because I went to school in Mexico until I was in ninth grade, and then... I did my high school years in Nogales, Arizona. I used to be a, a border kid. I used to cross the border every single day to come to school. Oh, wow. Very cool. How are the schools here compared to there? No comment. No, I'm no. just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, schools are different. So in Mexico, they're they're very strict, and they, they do have quite a bit more that they uh, load you up with. But, I mean, this, the... Here in the United States, they go more in-depth on single classes than mm-hmm. in Mexico. It's more general. Very cool. Okay. All right. There's a whole list of things that we want to talk about. But before we get started on the list, explain the difference between your job, the people at the at the border, what they do. Explain the difference between the different agencies. You're all under one umbrella, but you do different things. Yeah, first of all, we're part of the Department of Homeland Security, and under the Department of Homeland Security, we have CBP, Customs and Border Protection, not Customs and Border Patrol like everybody calls Customs, it. exactly. <laughs> but there's three entities on CBP. There's uh, Air Marine Operations, so they're the people who have a tan uniform, and Border Patrol does not have any helicopters. They belong all to Air Marine Operations. They have helicopters, they have the drones, 
and they have the fixed wings or airplanes. Um, they help us uh, with air support. And then we have Office of Field Operations, which is the guys in blue uniform. Those are the people that you're going to see at the port of entry when you're crossing into uh, the border from Mexico. In this case, you know, those are the guys that you're going to see in the blue uniform. You also see them at the airports. And then in between the port of entries is us, Border Patrol. We wear the green uniform. So we have this saying, you know, when you cross the border, if you see a guy in blue, you did it right. If you see a guy in green, then you did it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. So what do you what do you experience down on the border, on this side of the border? What do you experience? So, so our job is to uh, prevent illegal immigration and uh, illegal narcotics from coming to the border at the same time, you know, preventing terrorists from entering our country. So our job is to protect the border in between the ports of entry. Here in Tucson sector, we're responsible for 262 linear miles between Mexico and the U.S. So Tucson sector goes from the New Mexico state line to all the way to the Pima County, Yuma County line. So it's almost all of uh, Arizona and we cover approximately 90,000 square miles in all Arizona. Do you work closely with the sheriffs? Yeah, absolutely. The sheriffs, uh, they're a great partner. As a matter of fact, we work in so many remote areas that they don't have enough deputies to have in those remote areas. So they're always calling us when they get 911 calls or there's an emergency. So we're their backup, and those are our backup too. So we work very closely Almost on a daily basis, we had contact with them. How many agents do you have? So there's approximately 3,400 agents in Tucson sector. That's a lot of agents. Yep, we have nine stations, and 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 that's uh, that's what we cover. Like I said, 262 linear miles. But when you think about it, yeah, you're talking the miles in 24/7 because you work 24/7, right? Absolutely, 24/7, 365 days a week, and uh, a year, and. Yeah, it's a, we have three shifts, you know, you got to count days off, training days, so. How often do you you guys go through training? Is it one and done, or do you continually train? So we go to the academy, right now the academy is a New Mexico or Tisha, it's approximately six months long, then after that we get mandatory training, so uh, every three months or or every quarter we do uh, use of force training. And then we also use, uh, we also have uh, qualifications with our firearms. Okay, use of force. What Describe that training to me. So use of force is basically uh, talking to us, like, when can we use force? Uh, what type of force is necessary, depending on the situation? So basically de-escalation uh, techniques, you know, when you're talking to people, you try to de-escalate, and then if, Things escalate, you know, when to use if you have a baton or if you have your OC spray or when do you need to use your firearm or your taser. And you get training on all this stuff, the train the taser? Yes. Do you, how do you do that? How do you, you practice on each other? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So if you get certified with the taser, you need to get tased so that way you know exactly what that person is going to be feeling you know, when you utilize the taser. So I've been tased. I got video. It's pretty funny, but, <laughs> but I mean, okay. it, it's a, it's a great tool to have, you know, and every situation is different and it's not appropriate for every situation, but it's great to have it 
you know, when you need it. Okay, when you people are coming across the border, if they see you, do they turn around and run? Do they say, hi, nice to meet you? What What's the situation when you... So for the most part, uh, when we encounter people, they run because that's what the smugglers tell them. You know, if you see Border Patrol, run away, try to get away. So we get quite a bit of that. You know, the majority of people will run. So as a matter of fact, uh, in Tucson sector, that's what's different, you know, about other sectors. Most of the people that we encounter are single adults that do not want to be apprehended compared to other sectors where, you know, they have a massive amount of family units that are looking to turn themselves into Border Patrol. But in Tucson sector, that's not the case. Why would they be looking to turn themselves in? So there's, every case is different, but a lot of these people are running away from their country. They're trying to get asylum. They have an asylum claim or anything like that. But, I mean, let me say that uh, we as Border Patrol, we do not deal with that. So we're the tip of the spear. So whenever anybody that we encounter, we're going to process them, meaning we're going to get all their information. And then depending on the case, and every case is different, then they are going to be uh, sent back via Title 42 or Title 8, or they're going to be transferred over to another agency, either ICE, Homeland Security Investigations, or you know, Office of Refugee Resettlement, you know, every case is different, but that's not part of our job. So our job is to make the initial encounter, process them, identify who they are, and then we pass them over to whatever the next level is. So explain to the people what Title 42 versus Title 8. So we work under Title 8. So Border Patrol has always worked under Title 8. Title 8 is the immigration law. So anytime we encounter somebody that enters the country legally, then they're going to be charged, you know, with Title VIII. Now with the pandemic on the previous administration, uh, Title 42 is under the CDC. So the, uh, they gave us the authority to be able to return people back to Mexico when we encounter them before we process them for a Title VIII violation. So in other words, so we, when we encounter somebody, we will process them in the field. So we have mobile processing centers so we had computers out in the field we identify those people and then we'll return them back into mexico to try to prevent the spread so this does uh many things for us so it protects our public in the united states because we're not bringing people into the interior we're keeping them pretty close to the border and then sending them back um that this keeps our processing centers also clear because if we bring somebody into our processing center when there's other people and somebody's infected, now we have to quarantine everybody that's there and then also protects our agents instead of, you know, transporting these people all the way to Tucson, you know, and, and they're in the same vehicle so we can process them fairly quick. How do you tell if somebody's infected out in the field, if somebody's got COVID? So we, we don't, we don't test for COVID. So whenever so we as agents, we have to, be observant, you know, if we observe somebody that's coughing and somebody that's not Has feeling well, and then that's part of the questions of uh, when we process and we identify people, we're always asking medical questions. Uh, are you okay? Do you feel, you know, is there anything wrong? Do you need any medical attention? So people most of the time will tell you, you know, like, yes, I'm, I have a cough or I have a fever 
or something like that, and then then we'll give them medical attention. But uh, once, depending on every case, so if we end up processing somebody for Title Eight, and then they have uh, COVID symptoms, we actually have medical staff in our processing centers, and then we send them to them, and they're the ones who are going to be making the determination if they need a test or are they going to be sent to the hospital. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. So I know when I went through the academy, you guys have an amazing academy. It was so much fun, and it was so enlightening. I mean, I learned so much, and I things that I took for granted you guys take care of all that stuff, but it's so dangerous to be crossing the border. And I know people have been telling, you know, don't do it. <laughs> it's it's dangerous. What do you tell people when you come upon them and they're, you know, they think that this is Phoenix? What do you tell them? Well, I mean, I think they know by the time we encounter these people and they've been out in the desert for two or three days, they already know that they got lied to that it wasn't what they were expecting. Uh, a lot of these people come from tropical places, you know, down in Central America, and, you know, they, they're not used to the heat that we have here or the changes on, on the weather because, I mean, just right now, it's probably down in the, in the border area, it's about 30 degrees, and then during the day, it's 70 degrees. So those changes, I mean, that's... That's very, a lot. That's very impactful for for people, and you know they already know that there's no water, there's no resources out there. So I mean, we work very hard to message this, and and we try to give you know public service announcements. We have made radio announcements in Spanish. You know we ha- we work closely with the consulate. We're always giving them you know material and videos so they can show it back in their country. You know and it's all a personal decision. People most of the time think it's not going to happen to me, right? But um, it does happen. Unfortunately, we deal with quite a bit of people that are dehydrated and unfortunately also people that perish in the desert. What do you do then? Somebody's dead in the desert. What do you do? What do you call? So we call the local authorities. So we do not... Like so, the county? Yes. So the we report it and... We report it to the county or if it's in the reservation because we do work in the Tohono Autumn Reservation. So we'll call a TOPD, Tohono Autumn Police Department, and, and they'll come and do the report. But we we do not touch it. We do do quite a bit of rescues. You know, we get rescues all the time. As a matter of fact, we invest quite a bit of time and effort on rescues. And uh, we have... Of the 3,400 agents that we have, we have approximately 230 that are emergency medical technicians. So they're able to give first aid out in the field. And we also have 20 paramedics, you know, in our in our team. They're Border Patrol agents, but they're also paramedics. And we have our search and rescue team also. Yeah, I was, I was pretty impressed with, uh, what do they call them, Borstar? Yes, Borstar. I was impressed with them. They gave us a class and showed us how to do things and... We experimented on each other. <laughs> it was it was interesting. It was like something I'd never experienced before. But holy cow, they they are out there risking their lives trying to save other lives, and these people are running away from them. Yep, it's uh, that's the joke that they have, right? Like this is the only agency, you know, where you know our 
patients run away from you when you're trying to help them. <laughs> when you're trying to help them. You know, and I, I was talking with one of the um, deputies, and he said that the, the coyotes will charge thousands and thousands of dollars to smuggle somebody in when they could have just come through, you know, the gate down there in Nogales and taken that money and given it to an attorney to process them in. What What's... Why don't they do that? Are they wanted? Are they gang members? What's going on? See, that's the that's one of the lies that the the cartels because the cartels have a stronghold on anybody that crosses through the border. They they own the border on the Mexican side, so nobody crosses the border without their permission and without paying a fee. So when you interview these people that we encounter, they always say that they got recruited, you know, and they got sold this dream back in their country, either from Guatemala, El Salvador, wherever they're coming from. So there's people actually selling. It's like a, a trip that they're selling you for thousands of dollars. You know, you're going to come in, you're going to go to the United States, we're going to cross you, and then they're going to just take you in with open arms when the reality is something different. You know, there's a process, there's a immigration laws that we have to respect, and then, and then there's a process that they have to go through, you know, a lot of times, you know, I don't want to get in the weeds here, but I mean, people sometimes don't agree with the types of laws that we have or how how they're they're being enforced, you know. But this is the system that we have, and like I said, for us border patrol agents, we don't we don't deal with that. We just the tip of the spear, and then we turn it over to whatever agency is going to continue with their process. But everybody gets processed, everybody is identified, and you know, we know who's who's here and, and who's not. And you have to understand that every country has a process for moving to that country. You don't just show up with your suitcase in hand and say, hi, I'm here. You you go through a process of entering that country legally. Otherwise, you can go to jail. I don't care what country it is. It's, you know, it doesn't work that way. But these these trips, these packages that the coyotes are selling, they, they give them backpack and and clothing and you know it's it's the entire enchilada and they charge the one person said it was fifteen thousand dollars i said you paid fifteen thousand dollars for um a camouflage outfit (laughs) it's it's ridiculous and you have to use some common sense sometimes gee what's their purpose of you know charging me all this and what are they really going to give me yeah, so I mean it's it's very sad because most of the people that we encounter they're economic migrants. I mean they're they're here, they're trying to look for a better life, you know, and and we feel bad for them, but I yeah, mean, this too. is not I mean there are laws and and this is not the correct way of doing it. And um like I said they get lied to them all the time and that's part of the message that we have uh most of the time because that's a question that we get all the time so where if this person is so poor and they're looking for a better life, where did they get $5,000 or $15,000? Yeah. Well, that's part of the message that we have for people that are here in the United States. But most of the time, they'll have a friend or a family member that is sponsoring them. They, they live in the United States. So when that person sponsors their family member, you know, they let them borrow the money and then once they're here and they start working they'll start paying back you know you're putting your family member in danger 
especially when you see unaccompanied children, you know, people that the parents live in the United States and then they're, they pay a smuggler that they don't even know who they are. You know, they don't even know what they're going to put their kids through. And they just bring them to the border because they, they want to have them and they sponsoring, they're paying thousands and thousands of dollars to put their risk, of, you know, their life at risk. I was told that some of the parents or relatives won't even come down and, and claim the child. That's why they're sitting in, in this lockup situation. Yeah. So that's not Border Patrol, like I said. Yeah. Usually when we have unaccompanied children, so we try to process them as quickly as possible, and within 24 hours, we'll transfer them over to Health and Human Services, and then they're the ones who are going to be dealing with this. You know, but... Uh, I mean, I, I can't tell you what happens afterwards. I mean, I've, I've heard it on the news, you know, the, of all these places, but, I mean, that's not part of our job. And you don't know if it's true or not anyway. No, I do not. <laughs> it's like, you know, you can't substantiate this, so... Yeah, you have to ask somebody from Health and Human Services, you know, to, to, to give you, you know, an update of what's going on on their end. But when it comes to Border Patrol, like I said, we have them for less than 24 hours, and, and then we process them and, and turn them over. What kind of technology do you guys use? So we have, uh, the oldest technology that we have is ground sensors. So our ground sensors are under the earth and some, something or someone walks on top of it, then you know it'll alert our office and then we'll send an agent to go and hike up in the mountain or wherever the sensor is and to check. Um, some of the times it's not efficient, you know, because uh, you don't know if it's an animal or or how many people or or who is walking on top of it. So, so some of the times you will hike for an hour or two, and then it's a cow that's walking on top of it. <laughs> it's you know. a cow. Yeah, I mean, it, it happens. <laughs> it happens. You know. Or <laughs> like there. I said, it's not very efficient, but it's, this is what we use for many many years. But a lot of these sensors are being upgraded now to Buckeye cameras. So a Buckeye camera is like a game camera. It'll take a a still picture. And it'll send it live feed to our office, and now we know what's on there. So if there's a cow walking, then we don't have to respond. Now we have a group of five people, then we can send one or two agents. If we if we have drug smugglers, then our response will be different. So this is helping us to be more efficient to be able to uh, have a better law enforcement uh, operations on it. How can you tell if it's a drug smuggler or is just somebody trying to get into the country? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. So it's getting harder and harder every time. So before, when we had marijuana, and as we know, marijuana is being legalized in many other states, including our state, you know, we used to have the what we call the backpackers. They had these big square backpacks where we can tell that, you know, that was marijuana smugglers. But nowadays we have fentanyl, we have crystal meth, which is small quantities that can do quite a bit of damage so now everybody looks like a economic migrant so nowadays we can't tell from a drug smuggler from an economic migrant so we got to be very careful you know every time we encounter somebody okay if you've got somebody because the pills are easily hidden and fentanyl is, is lethal so how do you guys protect yourselves against being exposed to this stuff so that's why you got to be very careful as an agent and make sure you wear your personal protective equipment, make sure you're wearing gloves, you know, and when it's safely, uh, 
and you have people in custody and you have another agent around and then you can search their backpacks you can search them and and if you find something some anomaly something that doesn't look right then that's when you're very cautious and 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 then you if you can wait then you'll wait until you get back and you get more personal protective equipment to search that that backpack or or that person you know to if if we suspect that there's something like fentanyl there because like you said it's deadly do they get arrested absolutely they get arrested and 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 they'll be charged and we'll process them and, and like i said and once the the process starts if we have drug smugglers then it's up to the uh assistant uh, attorney's office to to press those charges you know we'll do all the paperwork and we'll present the case Okay, you're going to do the paperwork and present the case, but that just depend on where they're arrested as to where they go to court. No, no, no. This is this is going to they're going to be charged federally, so it's going to be uh, the attorney's office in uh, the AUSA in 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 Phoenix. They're they're the ones who are going to be pressing the charges. So you have to go all the way to Phoenix to go to court. Uh, not necessarily. <laughs> so there's a federal court here in Tucson. So, but it all depends. I mean, if the case is in in Phoenix, then yes. I mean, you're gonna have to go to to uh, testify, you know, on, on, as an agent. But we have we have a pretty good system. You know, we got agents that work in the processing. You know, all these cases. So, me as a border patrol agent, if I encounter this, then I'm gonna do all this paperwork that is required, and I'm gonna send it to our prosecutions team, and our prosecutions team are the ones who are gonna be doing all the dealing, you know, back and forth with the attorney's office and all that. And then uh, if if it goes to court, then yes, as an agent, then you'll be uh, in court, you know, testifying. What kind of sentences do these people get? What kind of punishments? That, I don't know. You have to ask the USA. You don't, you know. you don't hang out for the punishing phase of it? So it's, it's different every time. A lot of times these people plea out, you know, like they, they, they confess, you know, but like I said, that's that's out of our ballpark. We we don't we don't deal with that much with I mean, the we, plea deals. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna be back in a few. Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication between law enforcement and you. 1030 in police code means excessive use or unauthorized use of the radio, something we do with each podcast posted to iTunes and Google Play. Hi, this is Rich Tracy inviting you to join our conversation and asking you to support our mission. Please go to lawmatters1030.org to contribute. No amount is too small. To report suspected human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center at 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP or INFO to 233-733. To learn more about Homeland Security investigations and our efforts to combat human trafficking, please visit our website at www.ice.gov or check out the DHS Blue Campaign at www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign. For more information on the Southern Arizona Anti-Trafficking Unified Response Network, please visit us at www.saturn.org or find us on Facebook. 
With more people shopping online and avoiding the stores, FBI Phoenix wants to educate and warn the public about online shopping scams. A couple prevalent scams to keep in mind are non-payment, non-delivery scams, when you pay for something but never receive it, gift card scams, a spoofed email could convince you to purchase gift cards for someone else to use, only get gift cards from reputable companies and give them as a gift, not for personal or business reasons, and social media scams, beware of holiday promotions or contests. Do your due diligence when looking at an ad on social media. Ultimately, if a deal seems too good to be true, it probably is. The FBI suggests checking your credit card statements often, even after the holidays. Never give personal information. Check the reviews. You can learn a lot about a company by what others are saying. And lastly, if your gut is still weary, contact the company directly. If you believe you've been the victim of an online scam, report it to the FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center at ic3.gov. Hi, this is Sherry reminding you that Law Matters Live show airs every Saturday morning at 8 when you and I talk with law enforcement. On our next show, Sheriffs Daniels and Wilmot from Cochise and Yuma counties tell us what's happening on the ground. So get your questions ready and call in at 790-2040. And please go to lawmatters1030.org to support our mission. We can't do the show without your help and every dollar counts. Your generosity truly makes a difference. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org. Thanks for staying with us. Our guests today are Border Patrol. We have Jesus in the office here, and and we're talking about the different aspects of Border Patrol because it's multifaceted for sure. Let's talk about the um, the numbers. I mean, you guys have some impressive numbers. Yes. Yeah, so the numbers just came out uh, yesterday. They were updated uh, through CBP.gov. So if anybody wants to go to CBP.gov, you that's uh it's free and and you can look at any numbers anything that's going on in our borders so all encounters for the southwest border are six hundred and forty three thousand uh nationwide but we're in Tucson sector so our encounters are seventy four thousand uh for the fiscal year so far till January so our fiscal year runs from October all the way to September so from October all the way to January, we had 74,000 encounters, and that's up 62.8% compared to last year at the same time. Wow. That's a lot of people trying to cross the border. Absolutely. What kind of people are they? Are they the people who are really trying to just make a better life for themselves, or are they illegal um, on that side of the border too? Are they wanted? (laughs) No, so most of the people that we encounter are economic migrants, people that are looking for a better life or they're asking for asylum or anything like that. Approximately just 1% or maybe just a tidbit less is uh, criminals that we encounter. You know, that we have encountered people that are, you know, they have been in prison here before for, you know, any criminal act that they can, that they committed and they've done prison time. But, but for the most part it's economic migrants that we see. So if you have somebody that keeps coming over and they've done prison time, do you have access to see if they've done prison time in Mexico or whatever country they're coming from? Do you have the ability to do a background check on them that way? So we don't, but that's where the consulate's coming in. So we work very closely with the consulate. As a matter of fact, we have a team that's that's all they do. They They dig directly with the consulate, and every time we have somebody in custody, they get a list of all their nationals that they that they 
that we have in our custody. And then if somebody's wanted in, let's say in this case, Mexico, then they'll let us know, hey, we want this person because they're wanted. So they'll do, uh, the Me- Mexico in this case will do the background check or they'll check everybody that we have in custody and, and that's how that works. Have you ever caught the coyotes, the people who are actually doing the smuggling? So we have, but it's becoming harder and harder with technology. So before, uh, coyotes used to be with the groups, right. you know, walking together. And nowadays with cell phones, most of the time the coyotes will not be in the group. They they will give him cell phones and then they will just tell him, hey, walk from here, walk all the way to that peak. When you get to that peak, you're going to call this number and then they're going to keep guiding you. So most of these people are being guided with their cell phones. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's a lot different. Yes, it is. So, and that creates another another Problem. facet of it that now we have every single day we have people calling 911, which which we're glad that they do. I mean, if they can't walk, they're abandoned, they're hurt, you know, then they'll call 911. So we have every single day we have people calling 911. Not not every, every call is a medical emergency. Some of them are, but a lot of times people are lost and they just keep, keep walking. They're out of water, they're out of food, and they just want to turn themselves in and they call 911. Do they still have the blue lights out there with the... The button, I guess there's a button on it, you know, it automatically calls the police? Yes, so... Does it call you or does it call... Who does it call? It goes through our office. Okay. So there's those are called rescue beacons. So we have 36 of them all throughout the uh, Tucson sector. So the way it works is a 30-foot mast. It has a blue strobe light that you can see for miles away in the in the border, I mean, uh, at night. And then it has a reflective spinner, has a... A button, you push that button, it'll send a signal to our office, and then we can deploy an agent to go and rescue that person. Uh, Those beacons, is there the blue water bucket there too? No, so that's different. So that's, um, I believe that's Humane Borders. So that's a... A a, different organization? A different organization that are trying to, you know, prevent deaths in the desert, and they leave, you know, water out there for, for migrants, you know, so... And there, there's, it's a labor that they that they do, but that has nothing to do with us. Okay. So when you, somebody hits that button and they want to be processed through, like they should have done, like maybe through Nogales or AP, do you process them through, or are you are they being processed and sent back to Mexico or no, wherever they came from? So every situation is different, you know, depending on on every case, but everybody's going to be processed. So um, when somebody is asking to be rescued, so the first thing in our mind is, you know, we got to save this person's life. Right. So immigration is not the issue at that moment. The issue is, you know, trying to get this person medical help if they need it. If not, you know, then they're just going to be processed accordingly. So some of these people are going to be processed under Title 42 or under Title 8 and depending on every situation. But... For the most part, when we encounter people that hit a rescue beacon, our rescue beacons are not at the border. They're in the interior, miles away from the border. Right. That means that that person didn't want to get apprehended. You know, So for the most part, they're going to be returned back. Okay. So where are these people coming from? They're not all coming from Mexico. So the majority of the people uh, is coming from Mexico, a very high percentage, but... 
and the rest of them are coming from the Northern Triangle, which is Guatemala, El Salvador, you know, and Honduras. Those are the people that we see the most here at Tucson Sector. Every now and then we'll get people from, you know, all over the world, but but that's not what we're seeing here in Tucson Sector. Um, if you compare it to, like, Yuma, you know, they're getting people from other parts of the world, you know, and other sectors are, are seeing a lot of people. But you can look at that at cbp.gov. It'll break it down by by countries and how many countries, uh, how many different countries we have encountered people from. So they're they're from everywhere. Yeah, it, absolutely. They come from everywhere. I mean, all parts of the world. But for the most part, here in Tucson sector, uh, mostly they're Mexicans or they're from the Northern Triangle. So, what prompted you to become Border Patrol? Um, that's a very good question. <laughs> so. Like I said, I grew up in Nogales, and I always uh, saw Border Patrol, and it never went through my head to become a Border Patrol agent until, you know, I I was on my previous job, and, and I always wanted to serve the country, and I saw this opportunity. They were hiring. I said, this is a great way to serve my country that has given me so much, and, you know, so I became a Border Patrol agent when I was 32 years old, and... Now that I'm here, I mean, I wish I would have done it way sooner. What was your other job? So I used to work at a grocery store as a manager for a, a grocery store here in town. In Tucson? Yes. Which one? Safeway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Safeway. I was an assistant manager, and I was a produce manager for several years. And, I mean, I I really enjoy that job, but not as much as this job. <laughs> People don't understand, you know, it's really a rewarding job working, you know, in this type of an industry. And it's hard work, but look at all the lives you're saving. Yep, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, we feel like we're making a difference. We believe in the mission of protecting our borders and protecting our homeland. And, you know, when you catch those bad guys, you know, you feel really good. You know, you feel bad for the people, but then it's very rewarding on a personal level when you can save somebody's lives. I mean, I exactly. I can't tell you how many times I've been part of a rescue and how many lives we have saved, but it's it's very rewarding. It's an, it's incredible the job you guys do. And I when if you get an opportunity, the, talking to the listeners, and they're offering the Citizens Academy, you need to do it. They've got the best Citizens Academy, and. Are you going to start it up anytime soon? Well, with the pandemic, everything has gone to a halt, but we're starting to open up, and hopefully um, we're going to have the Citizens Academy in the next few months. But for sure, if, if we do, we'll, we'll let your listeners know. Yeah, because it's, it's an experience, and you have so much respect. I respected you guys to begin with, but after going through that academy and watching what was going on they took us out to the border we saw the equipment the guy how they sit there in this truck and they're watching what's going on the balloon down in sierra vista is that part of border patrol so that's a military balloon but that's that's funny that you asked that because we just started a program which is going to kick start in the next uh, few weeks where we're going to be testing those balloons or the blimps, what we call the them. The blimps. Yeah, and and it's we're excited to have them and, and test them out. And hopefully that's part of technology, you know, and innovation that, that we're utilizing and, and another tool for our belt, you know. I remember when they put that, that blimp up, it was about, it was located about two blocks from where I lived. 
his big old blimps there. Yeah. And everybody was really mad. And they were telling him, oh, it's a weather balloon. And we're going, yeah, right. <laughs> we didn't yeah. believe him then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that, that that one that you're talking about is a military one. Since it is. you have, you know, military there. But, I mean, we're going to have some in the middle of the desert where I don't think anybody lives around there. I mean, there's a few ranchers and stuff. But, but uh, that's going to... Hopefully, help us do our job better. Yeah, well, it helps save lives. As, you know, I don't know how many times do they keep track of how many people are found dead in the desert. I mean, that's a number that people on the other side should say, "Oh, I don't want to be that statistic." Yeah, that's a number that is kept. So, uh, if you want to get the numbers of of the people that that have found deceased, I mean, unfortunately, but uh, that'll be through the medical examiners. I mean, we. We only count the ones that we find, but I mean, there's more that people find or, or, you know, the county finds and those are not taken into account, but the real number will be with the medical examiner, uh, how many people perish in the desert. And that's part of the message, you know, that you can lose your life. It's, it's harsh terrain. I mean, the, the terrain is extreme. The temperatures, I mean, it can be severe and, and the distance 40 degrees one way or the other. And just, you know, it's cold. Yeah, cold, and the distances yeah. that people have to walk after they cross the border—I mean, they're unforgiving. Yeah, we've we've heard from people who said that you know they were told that the lights in Sierra Vista were Phoenix. Well, Phoenix—it's right there. See the lights? Just follow the lights. Yeah, and you know, being lied to, endangering yeah. their lives—so unfortunate. We we encounter people that uh, they say that they were walking to Chicago. I mean, it's just. They, <laughs> I mean, it, I'm from it, Chicago. Yeah, it, it's just <laughs> it's just amazing, you know, to see how you know they get lied to. I mean, and, and people do not know what they're getting themselves into because they lie to them. They sell them this package. They sell them this dream, and and it's very unfortunate that they take advantage of the of these people. Okay, we you're naming several different countries. Does Border Patrol here put out messages there saying don't believe these coyotes? Or is it just on the Mexican side of this border? No, no, no. We we put it all over the place. I mean, we we work closely with, with the consulates. Yes, so with the consulates, and we're always giving them uh, material. We're giving them the message, you know, of everything we have. As a matter of fact, the the rescue beacons that you have, we have a, a flyer that's called a rescue flyer or rescate in Spanish, and it has information about the about the rescue beacons. In case, you know, like I said, it's a personal decision. If you make that decision, you know, make an educated decision of what you're going to encounter and what's out there to help you in case you're in trouble. Yeah, because there's all kinds of wildlife out there, too, that, you know, you're not just talking the climate, the elements, you're talking the wildlife snakes. <laughs> it's like, ooh, that's what, when we they took us out there, that's the only thing I was worried about. It's not okay. It's dark out, and the snakes, you know, like to come where it's warm. It was like freaking out. It's like okay, <laughs> seen enough. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's all that. I mean that's all natural. That's our natural habitat. We have snakes. We have mountain lions. We have bobcats, scorpions, spiders. I mean, you name it. But I mean, we're still willing to do that job twenty four seven. There you go. So, are you guys hiring? Yes, we're always hiring. So if you go to cbp.gov, you can uh, 
and you can go in there and you can apply you know and uh it's a it's a long process to get hired you know the, you got to go through a lot and and it takes months and i've heard of people even taking you know a couple years to get hired depending on the process but once you're in there it's, it's well worth it and we need good people so how do they vet the applicants do you know oh you went through it so you know so you fill out your application. Once uh, you fill out your application, then you'll get a test, a written test, and you'll get a date. Once you take your written test, if you pass your test, just to put it into perspective, when I went and took my test, um, it was a big hiring push. So there was about 100 of us that were taking the test. And by the time it was all said and done, you know, at the end of the day, there was less than half of us left. You know, and then after that, they gave us a date to be a oral hiring board, you know, so you go and do an interview, and then from there, you know, some so other people get... So you do the oral board before you go to train? Yes. Okay. So you get a an interview, and then you also get a medical examination, you know, they have to make sure that you're fit, and then also you do a physical training examination... And then after that, uh, while all this is happening, you're getting a background check. And the background check that we get is pretty intense. This is what holds up the most. You know, it's because they're, all the references that you put, everybody's going to be called. They actually go and talk to your neighbors. They go and knock. It's like, hey, you know, you know Jesus next door, you know. And, and Oh, and let me tell you about Jesus, right? <laughs> <laughs> Did you know? Yeah. So they go through all that. I didn't realize that. Yep, and 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 also go through a polygraph, you know, and and so all these steps that are going. I mean, it's because we want the best of the best. We want people that are reliable. We got we want people, you know, that are gonna hold up to you know the standards of border patrol. So as you can imagine, a lot of people get left right in the middle of the process. So it's a long process, and not everybody makes it through. And then after that, you got the academy, and then we also lose people to the academy because it's a hard academy. It's one of one of the hardest uh, police academies that you can go through. So, do you have to be bilingual? So, not at the beginning, but you know, when you go to the academy, you actually get taught Spanish. You know, you're not going to be speaking perfect Spanish when you come out of the academy. It's but, not Castilian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, you need to speak Spanish to be able to perform your job because that's, right. that's what we deal with, people that speak Spanish for the most time. And if you're on the northern border, you have to speak French? <laughs> they should. <laughs> yeah, because that's what they speak up there, right? Yeah. So is it possible that you could be transferred to the northern border? It is possible. Uh, so everything goes for needs of the service. Is it likely? Very unlikely. Most of the people that are in the northern border, it's because at the beginning of their career, they got stationed there and they took the job. I mean, they're not forced, but um, but then some people that are on the southwest border, their back home is the northern border, and as soon as they can, they get a transfer there. But Is um, New Mexico the only training place for all the border agents? Yes. So, so everybody goes to the same place. Yep, Artesia, New Mexico. So if they, I know they teach you Spanish, do they also teach you French? If you're considering the northern border? No, they do not. No? So it's <laughs> no. Spanish. 
Yeah, it's just Spanish because this is most of our assets and most of our agents that you can imagine are in the southwest border, and that's what we deal with the most. Uh, when it comes to the French, I mean, I don't. I, I think that's probably going to be on you as an agent to be able to communicate go, afterwards. Yeah. Go buy Babel and learn how to speak <laughs> French. <laughs> okay. So I know they teach you, like, conversational Spanish. It's not like you can be a translator when you get done with that, correct? No. I mean, it, it, it takes time, but um, it beholds you as an agent to be able to speak the best Spanish that you could possibly get. So a lot of the agents that are not native speakers, thank God I was a native speaker. But So you had a lot easier than, than they did. The Spanish part, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but a lot of the agents will continue their education and they'll pay for, you know, tutors or they'll they'll keep taking the Spanish classes, but that's that's on you. But by the time you get out of the academy, you'll be able to speak, you know, working Spanish where you'll be able to ask questions and you'll be able to receive answers, you know, in case of an emergency and, you know, just basic Spanish, you know, to be able to do your job. So does the Border Patrol help you if you want to go back to school and get a degree of any kind? Do they help you pay for that college education? As a matter of fact, they they do. They have a a great program where um, they'll let you take up to, they'll pay for up to three classes a year if you want to continue your education. And as a matter of fact, I'm taking advantage of that. I'm I'm, I'm trying to get... uh, bachelors of law through the u of a and 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 i signed up for it so when do you start or have you already started this is my first semester i just started so i have an associate's degree in business and uh just as i finished you know i border patrol called so so i i joined border patrol and and it's always on the back of my mind that i wanted to finish my my bachelor's and now i'm taking advantage you know of it okay when you go through the academy for border patrol, do you does that work ethic there apply towards any college credits? So yes, so if some of the colleges will give you credit for because we have to take uh, applied authority, we have to take you know uh, physical techniques, we have uh, several law uh, immigration law. So if that's the path that you're taking on your career, then you'll get some of those credits. I wasn't able to use those credits because I already had plenty of credits that I'm transferring from Pima Community College and my associate's degree, so they would only take 64 credits. So you're only allowed so many credits. That stinks. Well, it is what it is. But (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and that's with the U of A. ASU, are they all the same? Pretty much most of the colleges, you know, they will allow you, for the most part, to take about 60 to 64 credits to transfer. Because, I mean, they, if I can see why, I mean, if the, their degree is going to have their name, they're going to make sure that you take, you know. At least a class. Yeah, most of, <laughs> a lot of classes with them. You know? That's true. You don't want to go to Pima College and then get your degree from the U of A if yeah. you only did one class. Yeah, but that's. That's what's uh, so great about Border Patrol, too, is like we have people from all walks of life. Like I mentioned before, I mean, I used to work in a grocery store, right? I mean, but we have people that were teachers before, people that work in, you know, all walks of life from all over the place. And and uh, there's 
quite a bit of diversity in our Border Patrol staff. So once you get your degree, you're you're going for a law degree. Are you going to become a lawyer? Um, I don't know yet. I'm working on my bachelor's. Once I get my bachelor's of law, then we'll see. Go for your JD. We'll, we'll see what, what it is goes it, for Is them. it a criminal justice? No, so the it's a law degree. It's like a pre-law okay you know uh degree so from there i mean you can you can try to get into law school or you can become you know human resources for a company or you know it it can take you many many places depending on where you want to go with it but right now i'm concentrating on finishing my bachelor's and then we'll go from there we'll figure it out at that point yes very cool okay if somebody was Sitting here wondering, should I join Border Patrol? What would you tell them? Absolutely. We need good people. If you're the type of person that likes the outdoors and... <laughs> you're going to have to really like the outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because our office is the <laughs> desert, you know. If you like the outdoors and, and you don't mind hard work and you want to do something for your country, you... And you're not afraid of snakes. Yep. You're not afraid of snakes and... <laughs> And you're not afraid of the dark, you know, but <laughs> we do work quite a bit, you know, at in night, the dark. You know. But this is a great career, has many opportunities, and you have the opportunity to make, you know, a difference, not only for our country, but also for many people that you're going to be saving. No, the people that are coming across, I mean, they have to believe what you're telling them rather than what some coyote is telling them. Yep, absolutely. So you're gonna you save a lot of lives, and yep. thank God you guys are out there doing your job. Yeah, we're happy to do it. I mean, it's 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 part of us. Like I said, every every border patrol agent that I've worked with, I mean, their their integrity is intact, and they 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 really believe in the mission. And I mean, I'm glad to work side by side to those with those people. And it, it takes a whole, like they say, it takes a village. So all these agencies are working together, and that makes a huge difference, too. They're all, same goal, try to help people and save lives. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, and and it, it's hard. I mean, sometimes, you know, when you turn on the TV and you look at the news, and a lot of times we were painted as the villains or anything like that. But, I mean... You're we not. as line agents, we don't worry about that. You know, we're we're worried about doing our job, and we try not to get involved in politics or anything like that. So we're out there doing our job twenty four seven, and you know, we're here to serve the public. And you're not villains; you're the good guys. No, well, thank you. I, I, <laughs> you know, I think you're the good guys, and I appreciate you coming into the office here and into the studio and talking to us and explaining some of the things that are going on. And some of these numbers are pretty remarkable. I'm I'm astounded. Yep, I mean we're definitely really busy, and thank you for having us. And and I'm I'm glad that uh, I was able to come. Appreciate it. Okay, until next week, I want everybody to shop local and and stay safe, and don't forget to go to Law Matters ten thirty and get your ticket for the front line of sex trafficking on the second of April. We'll talk to you next week.
this is Sherry reminding you that Law Matters Live Show airs every Saturday morning at 8 when you and I talk with law enforcement. On our next show, Sheriffs Daniels and Wilmot from Cochise and Yuma Counties tell us what's happening on the ground. So get your questions ready and call in at 790-2040. And please go to lawmatters1030.org to support our mission. We can't do the show without your help and every dollar counts. Your generosity truly makes a difference. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org.